Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm with Andy LeBeau, also with Commodity Research Group, and we're here with another edition of Energy Markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and our blog. We would like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any particular trading system strategy or recommendation. You're not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is December 2nd. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Jim. We have uh, an OPEC meeting staring us in the face December 5th. What do, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> well, it should, be a, uh, it should be an interesting meeting. There's uh, a lot for the OPEC ministers to discuss. You know, they're going to go over the fundamentals, and uh, we will too, actually. And there's going to be a lot of talk about condensates. I can't remember uh, an OPEC meeting where, uh, you know, the headline, the headline, one of the headline news has been uh, condensates. For, for our listeners, condensates are, are light crude, very light crude. And uh, condensates can be used to, to run through uh, certain refineries uh, to make refined products or petrochemicals. It is crude-like and uh, is not included in uh, most of the OPEC quota numbers or target numbers. However, it is included in the Russian numbers, and the Russians are beginning to uh, balk at uh, at that inclusion. At that inclusion, Jim. So that's um, that. How much? Do you know how much uh, Russia? How much barrels a day? This you're talking about? Is this? Well, they Yeah, it is significant because their condensates are probably. 500 to 600, 600 a day production. I think they're really looking at about two or 300,000 barrels a day on this, uh, on this quoted deal. Maybe more than that. But you know what, Jim? The Russians are right because, the, um, as I said, the, the other OPEC producers don't have condensates. They're, they're in the line called uh, OPEC uh, NGLs and, and other OPEC, and they're, they're not crude. So, um, you know, the, this number is pretty significant because the, the Saudis have uh, come into this meeting hoping to uh, have, a, have an agreement to either reduce production by 400,000 barrels a day is the number that's being floated, they're, they're, and to get the Russians to continue to uh, reduce, the, to continue to comply with uh, their number, and the Russians don't want to do it. You know, they, they, they'll comply with their crude number. Right. But I don't think they'll comply with their crude plus condensates number. Because so they're, they're over good. now, correct? They're <laughs> over. They're not, you know, they, they've, they've complied like three months out of the year when their pipeline went down. You remember when they of had a pipeline issue earlier in the year. So, so they have complied three months. They, they, you know, they're, they're probably 100,000 over, over their uh, 
over their number, maybe, maybe more. And so, um, the other alternative is no cut and extend. I mean, this, this agreement goes out to March. Is that correct? Yeah. The way, it's, the way it is now. And, and so they could not cut anything and extend it. That's another possibility. Yeah. I think that's another. That's definitely another part. You know, first of all, who's going to cut uh, is always right. a, a big question on this. Uh, you know, when when ministers get together, the Saudis have been shouldering, you know, more than their share on uh, on production. You know, they've been well under what their their target is, which is around ten point three, and they they've been nine eight, nine nine. You know, so so they they've definitely been so they've been they've been taking the lion's share of the of the OPEC cuts and and of course they also uh were fortunate that um Venezuela and uh, Iran's reduction have basically collapsed over the last uh 2 years as as we as we've discussed so that that's helped the uh OPEC ministers OPEC ministers as well they're going to ask Iraq uh who's probably like 50 to 100 over where they should be to cut and they're going to ask Nigeria to cut Maybe they can get 50 out of each, maybe. Uh, so there's 100. And, you know, the, the Russians, I, I don't think the Russians are going to cut anything. You know, I, th- I think they're going to try to finesse this uh, condensate issue. Yeah. They'll just redefine it. Yeah, just redefine it. So um, so as a result, you're, you're yes. going to get more production out of Russia, not less, uh, I think, you know, going, going forward. So, Andy, uh, what do you see in a couple of days as the outcome of this uh, OPEC meeting? I think that they are going to be able to affect some mo- modest cut, maybe like two to two hundred to four hundred. I'm not sure where the the Russians are going to come in. You know, maybe they'll maybe they'll do uh, something. You know, try to finesse the whole uh, the whole condensate issue. Extend the uh, extend these till extend the cuts till June and uh, get out of there. And I think that that would be a probably the you know the, it'll be either unchanged or a modest cut. And um, you know then then they can get out of there. And the market's going to be you know the market's not going to like it. But you know the the, the issue, Jim, is that that the first half is going to be problematic for the ministers. You know, they know it. The market knows it. The, the demand for their crude is probably between 750 and a million barrels a day below what they're going to produce. So, you know, unless they're going to cut a million barrels a day, we're looking at a, a surplus in the, in the first half. And uh, second, if they can get through the first half, the second half looks a heck of a lot better. You know, second half looks balanced to, to a draw. So... You know the their real the real issue here is is trying to get through the first half of uh, of twenty twenty. So when you talk about part of the issue is uh, non OPEC supply. So let's let's just talk about that for a second. We have a it looks like somewhat of a surge of uh, maybe two two and a half million barrels a day of non OPEC supply coming on. Right, right. The uh, the IEA has around two point. Uh, I, the big three, they're, most of them are over two million barrels a day. And uh, this year uh, or next year, twenty twenty, it's not going to be so much from uh, the U.S. And we'll certainly talk about that in uh, detail. But you know, we've we've got new supply coming from Norway and Brazil. 
These were uh, as a result of um, long planned offshore offshore fields, uh, and uh, we'll also probably see more barrels. We'll, we'll see barrels coming out of Guyana, where um, Exxon ha- has made a big investment that that's going to pay off in in 2020. Guyana is going to go from like zero to um, you know over 100,000 barrels a day, and Exxon is talking about. That that Guyanan production ultimately being seven hundred and fifty thousand barrels a day, you know during the uh, during the twenties. So you know this this is all you know Brazil's numbers actually beginning to come through. Yeah, uh, we, we, I mean, talk, we talked <laughs> about that. Yeah, we talked about that. It took a while, but they're beginning to you know they're finally beginning to come through. And um, you know Norway is definitely you know that's happening. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of thought Norway was getting out of the oil business, but uh, they're they're ramping up in the North Sea. Right, they're ramping up. You know, they had a major, uh, major discovery. Uh, you know, these these are projects that, that have been long planned, and they're they're finally coming to, uh, they're coming to fruition. So the the first half of the year, we're going to see a, a pretty big increase. You know, and that, and then then we've got the U.S. because we're going to increase production too. But not quite as at a as rapid a pace as we did in uh, 2018 and 2019. So let's let's talk about those U.S. numbers for a minute. I mean, there, there was kind of a the, the big increase in the U.S. happened in the last what four or five months. Yeah, last since you know January. You know, I think the the January number was um, the January U.S. crude production. In January was something like, let me get this, uh, it was 11.86, and we're now at 12.9, 12.9. so we've already gone up a million barrels a day this year, yes. and, um, the, and, that, and that's just crude, that's, that's not, um, and NGLs too have, uh, have exploded uh, as a result, so total liquids are way up. In, right. uh, in 2019. For 2020, though, if you take right now, the, the, we're at 12.9 million barrels a day of, uh, of crude. The EIA is saying we're going to go, you know, 13, 13, 1. They think December is going to be pretty high. I, I don't know about that, but uh, their, their December number is 13.1. So they think there's another 200,000 a day to go in December. Hmm. But then next year, they've got first quarter at about 13.2 and second quarter at 13.3 and then plateauing at 13.3. So we're, we're not going to see, you know, it's, uh, everyone's throwing out, oh, yeah, U.S. production. Not everyone, but, you know, if you look at the year to year, you know, it, it's over a million, but the year to year includes the low numbers from the first quarter of 2019. If you go from right today, you know the numbers are gonna the, the numbers are gonna stall. And some people, you know, there there's some estimates that have us growing only 400 year to year, which would basically be a, a decline. Right. Uh, and you don't see that though. No, I, I really don't see that. So is this is this is a, part of this is due to new pipeline capacity getting out of the uh, getting oil out of the Permian area? Yeah, definitely. You know the the um, uh, differentials have, have have narrowed in, and uh, you know per, 
per, now you can get crude to uh, to market, and you'll be able to continue to get crude to to market through um, you know through the the you know probably through most of 2020. Things look pretty balanced to maybe even a slight overcapacity on pipeline. So um, you know the other the other thing that's facing OPEC, Jim, talking about. Um, U.S. producers is if the price goes too high, you know that's going to bring that's going to bring on more supply, right? You know, particularly in the you know if the back of the curve, um, you know, twenty twenty, you know, second half twenty twenty or twenty twenty one starts really you know rallying sharply, you know, we're, we're definitely going to see more hedging, right? Right, and yeah. and that you know that that's going to bring more barrels. I mean, you, 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 some people say, oh, it's the end of the Permian. Uh, I don't, you know, it's definitely not the end of the Permian because you've got, you know, you got Exxon and Chevron in there and, and Oxy's got to, you know, Oxy's got to pay for Anadarko. They're in there too. Yeah. I, th- I think it's always been a, you know, when you think about oil coming to market, it's always been a function of price and, and uh, it's amazing how much oil you find when uh, prices are at a hundred and how much you cut back using it and then you know down around what what do we get down to 29 dollars uh on the decline how uh oil production it stops it goes down i I think we probably won't run out of oil you know it's just a question of how much at what price at what price and how much right you know yeah but you know the, the majors have obviously have a much higher much um deeper access to, to capital and uh, you know, they're, they're going to keep, uh, they'll probably just keep drilling. Uh, I think it, what it is, uh, I think what we're going to see is those smaller independents uh, are going to have to merge or just go out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what, you know, that's what we'll start seeing in 20 and, and uh, 21. And if prices remain in the, in the fifties, you know, we'll probably see some larger players continue to, to be in there. So you said that in the second half of 2020, things look better. And when we talk about better, we mean more balanced, more balanced. And that must mean demand. You expect demand to be, I I think some of the numbers um, from the big three, well, they're all over a million. Right. Right. I think think the EIA is 1.37 increase over, over over 2019 and OPEC's the lowest at plus 1.08 so right uh, and you have you know in the second half your demand increases seasonally you know in the right. first half you lose some transport demand in the uh you know in the in the in the oecd you know what could help them in the first half obviously is if, is if the winter is uh you know if we've got a very cold winter you right. know that that would certainly help you know that that'll add uh you know that could add a few hundred thousand barrels a day, if not more. If it's a frigid winter, if it's a mild winter, you know that that's that's definitely challenging. And, and yeah, it, that that's still that's still a factor. And of course, we have the uh, IMO 2020 coming up, which we'll we'll discuss. But you know, I think seasonally demand goes up in the in the third and fourth quarter, uh, and and that will you know that that'll certainly help uh, to to balance it out. In, in the second half. It's just getting through the first half. Yeah, I think uh, the IEA and, and the others are looking at something like 3.4, 3.5% growth worldwide. So that's, I think, where the IMF is, something something around those numbers. 
And um, right now with, uh, you know, there was concern in 2019 that demand was, you know, not, not really robust. And since then, or recently, we've, uh, we've seen some decent uh, numbers out of China. Maybe they're turning around a little bit. And also we had, uh, what was it, three cuts in uh, U.S. interest rates. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe this is a little, maybe we're not going into a recession in the U.S. and the world, and maybe we're going to pick up growth a little bit. So, You know, the Chinese petroleum demand has actually been <laughs> rip-roaring. Yeah. Right? It's, a, it, it's yeah. very surprising. You know, you, you think just the opposite, but uh, demand has been, uh, has been really robust in China. Not so much in India, not so much here. I mean, right. demand in the U.S. has been, you know, has, we're barely growing this year. Right. And, and so for 2020, what are you seeing in China? Is it, are they still looking at like 400,000 a year? Is it- yeah, I think 400. Uh, you know, lately they've been, they've been coming and they've been ripping like six to 700. Yeah. Uh, but I think three to 400. You know, the IEH, and we, I know we discussed this, had an interesting analysis where they thought that the trade wars had cost uh, global GDP, like I think it was 0.8%, and that translated to 400,000 barrels a day of uh, of demand growth or of demand. Um, that was lost. That was lost. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, that's. I was just telling. You know, we were talking about this before, but um, you know, the oil world's world's turned upside down. We're we're in a a week where. OPEC ministers are talking about their policy and the market's reacting to that a little bit, but the market seems to be equally concerned about what comes out of the president's um, tweeting account yeah. in Washington, D.C. So, so it's kind of, you know, if he, he keeps putting increasing tariffs and that, you know, dampens uh, GDP worldwide, it certainly affects oil. And I think you see that um, oil oil prices uh, show a co- positive correlation to the stock market. So, you know, that's kind of, co- they, they do correlate, not, not, not 90%, but it's somewhere anywhere between like 20 and 40 at times. So, um, right. And, and there. you know, 400,000 barrels a day is a big number. I don't, I don't think it's quite that big. You know, I think it's, it's probably 250 to 300, but uh, nevertheless, if, it, if, it, if 400 is right, you know that that's um, you know that that's a big number relative yeah. to growth. You know, if we're only growing one, you know, we could have grown one three, one four. Obviously, that's big relative to total demand of over a hundred million. It's not. It's not right. You know, it's, a, it's not huge. But these are, we're talking uh, marginal, and you know, on the margin where the prices are determined, right? Right. So that's that's the main thing here. Right. I just want to comment a couple, make a couple comments on uh, the world of, uh, that I spend a lot of time in, and, and that's uh, options, Andy. It's been, um, you know, the, 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 if you told me, this, if looking back on this year, if you told me that uh, we'd have a, an attack on the Saudi oil installations, and that was not the high in volatility, I would say you were crazy, but that's, right. that, that's uh, exactly what happened. We had uh, September 16th, the vol was 46%, and January 2nd was actually the high, 53%. And January 2nd, we, you know, we tumbled 
I think we made lows on December 24th of last year. So we were coming out of a, you know, a bearish uh, situation, which always gets uh, vols pumped up. Um, but still, it was surprising to see it not rally. The other thing that's been really uh, sort of outstanding in the option world is that year-to-date volume is down almost 30%. So in November of this past month, 93,000 options traded on an average daily basis. A year ago, we had a big month. It was 278,000, and year-to-date's 126. So you know, we're going into an OPEC meeting, and we can't even generate option act. It would generate a little bit, but not, not a lot. So I don't, I, I think it's hedge fund stuff that's moved away. I don't, I think uh, we've seen some money come out of that hedge fund world and the C, uh, commodity trading advisor world, but I'm just, uh, you know, I've never seen it like this in a long time. Well, the market, you know, if you look at, at total inventories, global OECD inventories, we're, we're in pretty, you know, we're in average shape. We're like one day supply below the five-year average. So, um, you know, we're, we're balanced a little bit long. And, yes. uh, you know, you look at the price here and we're right around where we've been all, you know, we're average price for the year is right, right around here. So um, yeah, and I've heard some of the banks say we're we're projected for the next year to stay right right, right around here. Yeah, you yeah. look at you look at the numbers. Yeah. You, know, you look at, at like the Reuters survey. You look at the surveys, and you know we're a dollar or two from here. Now most these surveys are always wrong. So yeah, you know something you know something unexpected could happen, or something geopolitical, which we haven't spoken about. Well, that's right. Um, yeah, with, uh, you know, with with OPEC and non-OPEC producers, you know, that there's still the, the Iranians. Well, you know, we we had just had an attack on on one of Saudi lost five point seven million barrels a day in September of uh, you know production owing to an attack, probably financed or, or taken uh, part by the by the Iranians, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm sure that i'm not sure but you know we haven't seen any um we haven't seen any military reaction yet by well that's that's a good a good point i just uh along those lines if we have a uh if we're going to have a surplus first half of the year that would be a good time for the saudis to replenish storage supplies right or no right so kind of a to, you know, we'll, we'll, depending on how much of a surplus we see, we may not even feel it in the market as these they fill up. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that 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 that's possible. You know, we also have uh, demonstrations in Iran, Iraq, Libya just lost the, an oil field. Nigeria isn't particularly stable, so yeah, the, there's and, and Venezuelan production is not going up. That's that's for sure. Um, and Iran is having some big financial problems, as uh, written to, written about today in the uh, in the journal. So um, you know, the, the, and as we always say in these in these things, Jim, it's uh, we I just you know we just named all that, yeah. And it's usually something else, right? That you're of not that, that you're not expecting. Of course, that's right. 
Yeah, I, I, I mentioned how uh, option volume is quite low. However, the, the January implied vol is 35.3, Feb 31.8. So that's not, you know, that's, that's like Pretty average. High. It's, it's high, but it's, it's, it's average vol if you go back long term. But it's, you know, it's, it's um, we're going into an OPEC meeting. Right, So people aren't, you know, even with these flat expected price movement, you know, same price today is expected to be next year. We're not seeing people crush vol. Is what I'm, what I'm right. saying. Right, they're not crushing vol, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of little fire. They have little, big, could be big fires. <laughs> yeah, you know, all all around all around the globe. Yeah, imagine trying to sell a an option selling strategy to your management after what happened this year. You know, it's just <clears throat> it's really hard. To, I, I would presume it'd be hard to do that. So. Okay, so uh, let's look. Let's start looking forward, Andy. You, you know, there there are a lot of things that could happen. We've got the U.S. People have talked about the U.S. Uh, fracking to to uh, act like an option or to dampen volatility because if price goes up, they produce more. Right. Price goes down, they produce less. Why don't we talk? What let's let's why don't we talk about diesel for a few minutes? And the um, what do you see as a prospects for? Well, diesel, yeah, diesel is, is the big question. Is the big question mark, you know, with the IMO 2020, which should could uh, increase diesel demand by you know as much as a million barrels a day. Uh, the numbers are all over the place for for how things are going to uh, fall out beginning in in January 2020. The, I guess the question is, you know, has the market already, you know, have things been you know, is it, have we prepared already? Are we well prepared? Uh, I think the IEA is saying, yeah, things look fairly well prepared uh, for uh, IMO 2020. There seems to be ample lower sulfur product right now in in the global shipping ports. You know, here in here in the U.S., it, it's it's less of an issue because most most of the most of the shippers re- refuel <coughs> refuel abroad. But the the EIA thinks. The EIA thinks that you know we're going to be producing a lot of a lot of diesel coming up. Some of their numbers are just out of control for um, you know how much diesel and how many how much crude runs we're we're going to uh, crude runs. What what the crude run number is going to be? I don't believe any of the uh, personally. I don't believe any of the numbers. They they think we're going to just produce diesel willy nilly and uh, export it. And I you know I don't I don't see that the diesel cracks me while I've really come off here. Uh, again, indicative that that things are um, for for now at least are um, you know are are okay or ready to go for uh, IMO 2020. Of course. Manufacturing is, is uh, the ism yesterday was horrendous. I think what is it the worst since that? Yeah, yeah whatever. Twenty twelve, twenty oh eight. So manufacturing is is still problematic, and that is, uh, you know, directly. That's that's directly for di- directly compares to uh, for diesel use, you know, for trucking and and rail. Uh, Etc. Now inventories, though the good news is inventories here are low, particularly in Pad One. So we get any kind of uh, spike, you know, if we get a really cold winter, uh, you know, things can turn around quickly. However, again, 
the backwardation in uh, the front of you know, the, the first two months has just collapsed in mm. diesel. You know, yeah. it, it was, it was highly backwardated. Now it's, you know, slight backwardation and gasoline, which, you know, that, that looks the U S gasoline demand is completely plateaued. Pad one stocks are average and, um, you know, uh, and, and it's gone into a contango. Now, Margins in Asia are crappy because of the high sulfur fuel oil has collapsed, not surprisingly. And there are new refineries coming on. So, you know, some big ones in, in fourth quarter and into, uh, into first quarter. So, you know, unless diesel really somehow spikes, it, it, you know, it's hard to see that margins are going to improve all that much. They may, they may get worse, which is bearish, you know, I've clearly bearish for, uh, for crude. So if we're making more diesel, it's not at the expense of gasoline? It could be at the expense of gasoline. Yeah, it, it could be depending on what the crude run slate is. Right. Uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of variables, but uh, it could be at the expense of gasoline. We'll see. The, the EIA thinks it will be. I don't know. I mean, oftentimes we, you know, we say, oh, it's definitely, you know, gasoline's going to get tight. I, I'm not sure, Jim. Mm. Okay. So um, let's just talk about prices going forward. Do you agree with, I'm, I'm going with that consensus of, uh, you know, 60, I think they're talking about $60 in Brent. Um, what, what, what's your view? Let's, let's just go a, a month to six months out. What are you, what are you thinking? And you know, long, I, wish, long I wish, Jim, <laughs> I wish I could get really excited, you know, about, yeah. about the market, but you know, you look at, you know, you look at where the fundamentals are and uh, you know, unless, unless, OPEC affects a, a miracle cut here, which I, I don't see, you know, I really don't see that happen or demand uh, really surges. You know, it, it, it's hard to see sustained upside for, uh, let's say, WTI, you know, in the mid-60s or Brent in the 70s. You know, the, it, it's just hard to see that. Right. Uh, you know, may, or, or there's something, you know, Straits of Hormuz or some, are blocked or, or, you know, some, some geopolitical event, you know, it's really hard to see sustained upside. Alternatively on the downside, I think that if we, that, you know, may, yeah, we could maybe get down to the low fifties or 50 in WTI sometime in the first half, particularly if it's a, if it's a balmy winter. So, yeah, but below that, I, I, I you know, if, to get below that, we're probably going to have to see big U.S. production numbers, Jim, to, mm -hmm. get, to get like way below 50, you know, into the, like, right. you know, 40, low four, you know, 45-ish. Right. Um, you know, I think we're going to have to start seeing in first, you know, first half production numbers like 13.3, 13.4, something like that. Right. And then um, I, I guess uh, another somewhat unrelated question um, would be, the pricing of the uh, Aramco IPO, and, and I'm not talking about. Well, where. it is related because the Saudis clearly want, you know, they want prices to to remain high. I mean, they. That's yeah. You know, they they'd love Brent at eighty. Eighty is yeah. like their magic number. 
Yeah, we'd all we'd all like we all have a certain price in mind that we would like, but <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, I would I, I would like the Giants to win a game too. But, <laughs> yeah, like so, does do you think that changes Saudi's uh, policy at all? Do you think they? I mean, once once this thing is uh, out there, or, or they continue to kind of keep these quotas going, and like I guess my question is, would they? Would they do the uh, old-fashioned uh, sweating where they just kind of say, you know what, we can't keep these uh, frackers and other people back. We're going to lower prices now. Now that we have, uh, we have some money out of you know, Saudi Aramco, um, we've raised all this money. We, don't, we can, we can uh, let the market drop and kick out a lot of these inefficient producers, like, kind of like an old, old uh, policies that they used to have. You know, it's it's always a, a possibility. You know that that uh, things change in the in the kingdom, and uh, you know the the uh, MBS and and his uh, advisors decide to go scorched earth. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, as I said, if they could just get to the second half and in one piece, they'll they'll do okay. But if they can't, maybe they maybe they will decide. Yeah. You know what? We want to shake out. We want to shake out the the frackers. Yeah. Uh, you know, we want to encourage encourage demand of, of petroleum. But I, I get the sense that they're they're looking. You know, that they're not gonna they're not gonna go that way. Yeah. You know, well, I think uh, MBS is a pretty forward looking guy. And I think, you know, nice. I, I don't think they're going to go that way. It's it's nice when you uh you're raising money for an investment and uh, with friends and family you can you can raise billions. <laughs> right, right. So, um, anything else, Andy? Before we wrap this up, you want to? No, no. I think uh, I think we covered a lot, Jim. And um, you we, know, let, yep. I was going to say we try to uh, put these out on a monthly basis. We uh, we missed our last month due to. Um, our our schedule uh our scheduling and um we're our next one we're, we we tend to try to do them right after the EIA puts out its monthly um oil report try to continue to do that so look for us uh in January to probably the second second month for our next podcast um last thing if you want uh any more information about uh, commodity research group you can certainly get a hold of me at a lebo a l e b o w at commodityresearchgroup.com or check us out on our website yes and um we will we also in our consulting we will we'll, we'll provide uh, specific trading ideas depending on what you know our what the view what the situation is but we we just don't do that on a podcast because we don't want to um we don't know who's listening and whether or not they're suitable for who's listening. All right. So we'll see you next month. Okay. Sounds good, Andy. All right. Talk to you later.